Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, it's time for The Finish Line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Start your engine! As we rearrange microphones. <laughs> We're getting rolling this morning. This afternoon. See, how am I yes. doing? It's, it's evening, isn't it? It is. Good evening and welcome to the finish line. Uh, this is going to be a fun show. It's the, the, the day after the biggest sprint car race on the planet each and every year. I mean, you could pay them a million dollars, but it's not the Saturday night championship of the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, it's been there for 62 years, and last night was not disappointing from the standpoint of the atmosphere the racing, I'm going to tell you, was kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, this is the finish line. It is brought to you by Eagle Raceway, by Stern, by Mobile One. Uh, very proud to have Eagle Raceway on board as a sponsor this year for the remainder of this year's yes. season. I'm Mike Melby, Rebecca Pearson to my right, and Racine and Nate Thompson, Racine co-owner of Eagle Raceway, along with Roger Hayden, who just happens to be your dad. So welcome to you two to uh, the show. Thanks for coming in. No problem. So I kind of want to talk Knoxville a little bit. Please. Because it was my first experience at the Nationals. I've been over for the 360 Nationals and for weekly shows. And it's, it's fun. The atmosphere at Knoxville is insane. Nebraska football fans, if you've <laughs> never been to a race, it's Nebraska football home game. It's, that's what it is. It is people camping out. It is tailgating. It's 24-7 tailgating, though. Um, there's a little bar right across the road called Dingus. And Dingus is just a hole in the wall. If it's just the inside, you can fit, I don't know, like 19 people inside of Dingus. But they've got a big uh, beer garden area. Uh, on occasion, band will play kind of a little stage that's off to the side. We were there Thursday night hanging out, minding our own business. And, yeah, you know, I don't know, National Sprint Car Hall of Famer Jack Hodenshield, you know, is just standing over there by the bar. We start talking to him for a while. Steve Kinzer. You know, the, the greatest of all sprint car drivers just hanging out, bought me a beer, you know, whatever. <laughs> Didn't buy me a beer, but some friends of mine. But it, but that's that's life in Knoxville that's like buying a beer. for the Nationals. It really was because I knew somebody that Steve Kenser bought <laughs> a beer right, for. That's exactly. I mean, you um, can say it. You name dropped. You exactly. It. <laughs> it, David Gravel almost ran over my girlfriend, okay, <laughs> on a scooter. We're, we're walking uh, right in front of the Hall of Fame, and he's just kind of cruising around on the sidewalk trying to avoid people because, you know, he's trying to get somewhere fast. And we had to kind of sidestep him. But that's one of the coolest things about it. To me, it's more fun and more interesting than, Knox, or than, than NASCAR races because the drivers rely so much on the fans to help them finance what they do by T-shirt sales, by merch sales. And being able to interact with them, uh, it's it's just amazing. Yeah, I think that's a different. We've, we've talked about this a few times with dirt track racing, right? The accessibility yeah. to the drivers and the fans. I would say NASCAR is next up. You know, Formula One's way up here. You can't get anybody. But NASCAR, yeah. you know, kind of accessible, sort of, kind of. You can at least see the drivers. But dirt track racing, it's you're down in the pits. You're walking around. We can do that at Eagle and get to interact. Well, and that's, that's the best part of it. But, it uh, yeah, the experience, I think, hindsight. Now, it, the old saying of I knew then what I know now. Yep. Yeah, we would we'd change a couple of things. But for the most part, I got to I got to say a shout out to a handful of people, though. Um, Ty Jensen, who's the one a good friend of mine, uh, raced at Eagle for years. And I'm still trying to talk him into coming back and jumping in a 305 next year. We're trying to work that out at any rate. 
he's got a, a, a young lady who celebrated her birthday on Friday. Uh, she lives with her 90-year-old mother, and her name is Juanita, and the hospitality there, insane. That's where Ty and his, his, his buddies stay all the time. Uh, we had a great cookout there on Friday. But then an uh, old friend of mine, uh, Kim Davidson, and the, the crew that was around her camper, uh, the sprint car on the pole campground, for those that have been to Knoxville, you know right where I'm talking about, but she camps in there. Uh, Greg Scott, the other Scott, uh, Dallas, and then Ashley who is uh, Kim's daughter and, and her friend. I cannot remember her name, but man, that was, we walked away from there after sitting there for about two and a half hours. My girlfriend goes, that was amazing. That is what I expected. That is that to me, I now get what Knoxville nationals are, mm-hmm. what sprint car racing and being a part of that is. And going back to my days at Eagle. And I know you guys go through this and you're going to go through it in about two weeks. And it is the race saver nationals. And you're going to have people camping there all week long and it's going to be the exact same thing. And speaking of Race Saver Nationals, we're going to have some tickets to give away for that. So we nice. can do that either next week, during the week. We'll have to talk about that. But We'll figure it out. Yeah. Something people uh, need to listen in to 93.7 The Ticket to get their Race Saver Nationals. Absolutely. Tickets. Before we jump into a whole lot more talk, I want to get into uh, the segment Victory Lane. It is sponsored by Mike Boston and Eagle Chassis. Uh, they're back uh, and better than ever, worldwide headquarters right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. If you own a sprint car, if you need frame repair or you want a brand new sprint car, brand new frame, Eagle chassis, Mike Boston, the one to call 402-826-0302. A big thanks to Eagle Chassis for sponsoring the Victory Lane segment. Rolling into victory lane this last week in racing. I'm just going to start with what we were just talking about. The Knoxville Nationals. Kyle Larson dominates from the drop of the green flag. He was on the pole through all the nights of uh, prelims and qualifying and hard knocks Friday night. And he started with Donnie Schatz on the front row. Interesting. I thought Schatz would be a little bit more of a factor. I knew David Gravel was going to come from the back. He started, I believe, 22nd. Uh, Gravel winds up second. Schatz fell back to third. Uh, but Larson dominates all 50 laps last night, wins the Knoxville Nationals. Hard Knox Friday night was won by Aaron Reitzel, much to the dismay of most of the crowd, because Aaron Reitzel might be the most disliked sprint car driver I've ever seen. Uh, Carson Macedo picked up the win on Thursday night in the prelim. Donnie Schatz won his first prelim in 20 years. On Wednesday night, and he was even kind of shocked about it. He's like, well, I won the thing 11 times, but I haven't won a prelim Prelim, night since 2003. But Shots picks up the win on that prelim night. But it was all about Kyle Larson. The interesting thing is watching the in Victory Lane celebration with Kyle Larson and Paul Silva and their crew. This was not a bunch of guys that were overjoyed and whatever that they just won and they're losing their minds. This was a crew that went, we knew we were going to do it. And I mean, they were happy, obviously, but it there was so much confidence in that pit. 
It was insane. Uh, World of Outlaw Sprints, they don't slow down, man. They're going to Jackson for the Jackson Nationals this upcoming weekend up in Jackson, Minnesota. In NASCAR, Truck Series on Friday night at Indy Raceway Park. Ty Majeski winds up with the victory. Ty Gibbs took home the win at, or at uh, the Indy Road Course yesterday in the Xfinity Series. Earlier today, Michael McDowell uh, brings home the win in the Cup Series at the Indy Road Course. And they're going to be at Watkins Glen next weekend, our Cup and Xfinity. High limit. All the sprint car guys, man, that want to make some money, Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet, they got him a series. Hey, Knoxville Nationals, yay, take a breath, have a day and a half off, and they're going to be at one of the most difficult tracks to run a 410 on, and that is Houston's up in uh, Brandon, South Dakota. That's where uh, the High Limit Series will be this Tuesday night. Should be an absolutely fantastic race. Uh, August 18th through the 20th, the All-Stars are finally back in action after taking the break to get through the Knoxville Nationals. World of Outlaw late battles were dark last week. Lucas Oil late models had the Sunoco North-South 100 uh, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Bobby Pierce and Mike Marler won the features on Thursday. Friday night, it was Ricky Thornton Jr. and Bobby Pierce. And then Pierce took home the win last night at Florence Speedway in Union, Kentucky. At Beatrice on Friday night in the Modifieds, Jordan Grabowski with the win. 305 sprints were there. Seven cars showed up. I'm not sure how much you guys want to talk about any of the car counts down there because it's not your track, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, they only had seven 305 show up. Tyler Drukey took the win. Uh, in the stock cars, Matt Fralin winds up with the victory. Hobby stocks, it's Neil Pella. Zach Bullmeyer picks up the Sport Compact win uh, at Beatrice on Friday night. At Eagle last night, Racine, I understand you guys had uh, some, some fun-filled races. Do you want to go through some highlights of it? I know who the winners were, but I did not really get much on the story. Uh, I'll let you just kind of roll through what happened. Um, I can give a little bit. Unfortunately, I don't get to watch a lot because I'm kind of running around. But um, Hobby Stocks, uh, Michael Wade won. Modifieds, Ryan Jenkins. Uh, I believe Dustin Anderson was second, I think. No? Okay, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nate? Who was second? You don't know. Okay. Uh, he don't remember either. It's fine. We'll figure it out later. We'll watch the replay. Uh, sport mods, uh, Terry Richards won. Uh, there was actually, wow, that was like a last lap deal. I think there was like two cautions and then they had to do green, white checker twice because I don't know what was going on with the sport mods last night. Actually, usually, you know, everybody always says sport mods do sport mod things. Well, usually at Eagle, it seems like they were pretty good this year and up until about the end of the year. And then there's, it seems like there's been a lot of cautions in the A's. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully it gets better these next two weeks. Uh, sprint cars, uh, Tyler Drukey won. Um, he's actually the points leader right now as well. Uh, stock cars, Dylan Richards won. So, um, and that was, I think Dylan Haney was right behind him. Um, let's see. And, and yeah, uh, Tyler Drukey's leaving, leading points in the sprint cars. There's only two points nights left at Eagle. So, uh, stock cars, Dylan Richards over Nate Thompson by 32 points. Uh, Modifieds, Anthony Roth is leading over Chad Anderson by only four points. And Terry Hurts only 11 points behind the leader. So that's a close, close points race there. It'd be interesting to see who wins that. Uh, and then uh, Ryan Gilland and Adam Wasserman are pretty close in points in the hobby stocks, only by six points. And Sport Mods, Adam Verbka um, is now leading by 15 points over Adam Armstrong. 
unfortunate for Adam Armstrong. They were actually uh, tied at the beginning of last night for points, and uh, Adam kind of had a bad night in the A feature, so it is what it is. Those nights happen. Now, you mentioned the, the number of points at their back. I remember old school when I first started announcing out at Eagle. It was, I mean, it's 197 points to win, and it's 184 for second. I mean, it was all these weird numbers. And I'm always like, why don't you just do like 25 points for free, all that type of stuff? How is the point? How are the points structured at Eagle, and is it different for any other class? Um, well, it's uh, IMCA structured okay. points. So, uh, you know, it goes 40 for the winner and then 39, 38, 37. Pretty simple all the way down. Um, and then the B feature starts at 16, minimum points is 11. So, yeah, so to, like to me, that was always so much easier. And I, it is what it is, man. I, mm-hmm. People came up with these awesome point systems and, uh, you know, they worked back in the day, but I, I always kind of found it weird that, you know, you got 25 points for signing in at the pit gate. And it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't done up. anything. So, it's like the kids today. They win something for everything they do. Exactly. Okay. So you mentioned there's only two point nights left out at Eagle. It's, I'm assuming, the 20th and the 27th of August coming up here. Because today's the 13th. The so, but it's, I'm going to say it's, it's or, excuse me, it's going to be the 19th, 19th and, and the 26th. 26th. Yep. Yes. Next two Saturdays. The next yeah. two Saturdays. That's going to lead up to, to, to me, the coolest 305 event. Um, the Belleville High Banks, I get it. It's the Belleville High Banks, man. I mean, it's one of the legendary tracks. But as far as the event goes itself, there's nothing like the Race Saber Nationals uh, for any 305 race in the country. Um, you have guys that will come from probably, what, 30 states to race? Something like that. I know there's guys coming from Pennsylvania, Virginia, Texas, uh, New Mexico, you know, all kinds of places. So, so little old Nebraska. I mean, it's kind of cool. I came from Virginia. Yeah. To little old Nebraska. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so I just got done at Knoxville. And, and like I said, the, the racing is what it is at Knoxville. Knoxville never creates a great race. Like, like I get it. 360 Nationals aside, Brian Brown wins by two hundredths of a second. But it wasn't a great race. He simply made a pass going down the, the front stretch on the last lap. And it was the only time that he led. But there was no big sliders between him and Reitzel. It was not banging off the wall and banging wheels. and all, I mean, it wasn't a great race. Yet, go to Eagle any night. It's a third mile, high banked. You better have some cojones if you're going to drive a sprint car around there, 305, 360, or 410, and go back to the high limit race. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's what it's... And, and so, I, like, I was disappointed in the race. The atmosphere is amazing. But it still comes down to how do you pull off an event like that because the racing will take care of itself, especially at Eagle. But for you guys to be able to pull it off from a driver's standpoint, because you got to make sure the drivers are happy or they're not going to come back. You got to make sure the fans enjoy the show that we know what the cars are going to do, but how do you go through and plan and make sure that the fans are going to be happy that concession? Like I know a little bit about it because I was there for 10 years and I was involved in everything, but it's different these days because of social media and everything else that goes on. Walk me through a little bit, about how you and your dad and the staff at Eagle sit down every year and go, okay, 2023 Race Saver Nationals, debrief from last year, but let's lay out the plan. How does it start? Not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. That's all there uh, no is to it. No date nights. I don't know. You know, uh, there's a lot that goes into putting an event together like that, and it's a team effort. I mean, everybody has their own jobs. I have, I think, 50 notes in my phone of things I got to – accomplish this week you know um i mean 
there's a lot of advertising that goes, I mean, preparing, making sure that you get the advertising out and making tickets. Oh, then the staff has to come in and make like 5,000 jello shots. And <laughs> Oh, there's a terrible job. Well, hey, now I'm we need ask, to go apply for that I'm going to say, I, oh. I, I have experience. Yes. Tracy and I do a little thing on Halloween, and for the grown-ups that show up, we actually do jello shots for them. Well, you know, we, we, we check IDs, I promise. But, uh, yeah, so that – based on the College World Series and the jello shot challenge and all the stuff that they did, have you guys thought about possibly doing something like that where they it could be for a certain driver and some of the money goes to charity? What the heck is a jello shot challenge? Okay. <laughs> For for somebody who lives literally inside the world of racing and you don't at uh, one of the the local adult establishments up in Omaha, downtown Omaha for the College World Series. Baseball. Baseball. Yeah. The uh, the the team's fans can go in there and they can buy a jello shot. It costs them five dollars. And what happens is they keep track. They say, well, what team do you want your five dollars to go to donate? And they'll say, well, Virginia or or TCU or whoever. And then whoever gets the most wins the jello shot title and it's only the second year they did it and this year i think they raised over a hundred thousand dollars um it was insane but so that's what it it was the jello shot challenge that's a great idea i'm all Mm -hmm. about stealing ideas no (laughs) yeah like seriously i would check it out it's it it was really interesting because a lot of it goes to like team jack i know is one of the charities that it that it helps benefit but uh, as soon as you said jello shots, yeah. I'm immediately We're like, all sidetracked. We want to apply. I'm yeah. sure listeners want to apply. <laughs> exactly, now we're yeah. creating new promos mm-hmm. for you. But keep going. So beyond the jello shots. Yeah, so pass the yeah. jello shots. Um, I mean, just we're always trying to come up with something bigger and better every year, you know, trying to make it better. This year it was about trying to do something more for the drivers. So we're actually giving away um, 40 gallons of free fuel to every driver that just passes tech. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, to these drivers, they're they're race saver drivers. You know, they're that means something to yeah. them because, uh, you know, most of them are coming long distances and they have you know, day jobs. They 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 don't just race all week. You know, mm-hmm. they're working class people. Are there so. things you've talked about that you'd like to be able to do for the drivers that you just haven't been able to do yet? Ideas that are, you know, in the queue and things that the listeners and fans and the ticket could help with. Well, maybe for like, for our regular events, we've been trying to step up our game with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually the sport mod class has basically had a purse increase all year long because if you have 30 or more cars, then you get an extra thousand dollars added to the entire purse, at least an extra thousand dollars, I should say. Um, if any of the other classes have 20 or more cars, we draw just a random number from one to 20 and... Whoever finishes in that position gets an extra tire. You know, it's just those little things like that to try and tell them we appreciate them coming, yeah. you know? Well, and bottom line, an extra tire for a guy that's driving a sprint car, that's an a extra right rear, that's actually, $400. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the tire's cost does not change. The motor size makes no difference. You know, it, it, that's the whole thing. The, and we were talking to Brie Fansteel a couple of weeks ago about the expense. Uh, and and Bob Rusinger as well about the expense that goes into running. People are like, oh, it's a sport mod. That's got to be cheap and easy to get into. No, it's not. Oh, it's just a stupid little stock car. Yeah, no, it's not stupid. It's not little and it's not cheap. I mean, all the little pieces and parts and bells and whistles that have to go on these things from a safety standpoint and from a competitive standpoint. And so, like, props to you guys for thinking about that and thinking about the racer because your family's been around racing since 
the dawn of time or or, or before. Uh, I, I know, I mean, your dad grew up at Sunset and it's it's been crazy. And I'll tell you what, I actually want to talk a little bit about that, about your family and your involvement in racing for you, probably from birth. Uh, but we're going to do it when we come back on the other side of the break. That's Racine and Nate Thompson, Rebecca Pearson to my right. I'm Mike Melby. Austin Norman running the board tonight. Back with more finish line right after this. Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. I'm Mike Melby, Rebecca Pearson to my right, Austin Norman driving the car tonight, and we have got Nate and Racine Thompson in-house as our uh, special guest co-host this week. And uh, we're going to talk about your family, but first of all, I want to say that the finish line is sponsored by Eagle Raceway, celebrating six decades of speed just 15 minutes east of Lincoln. Head out to the track every weekend for IMCA racing and family-friendly dirt track action. You can find the full schedule of events online at EagleRaceway.com. Eagle Raceway is America's home track. You guys changed that moniker from the world's fastest one-third mile, I think is what it had been through Beecham's and Cormac's and all that stuff. Um, I never believed it because I'm like, there's no way. I mean, our, <laughs> we had the record. At, I can't. Remember, I think Sammy had it for a while at 11 something, but I'm like, that can't be the fastest, world's fastest. Like, are we lying? But I like the America's Home Track because it's like family friendly. Who came up with that uh, that that moniker? Um, I believe it was my dad. Okay. I like my dad and my mom together when they yeah. were together. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mom's, nice. Mom's a part of this whole thing too. Yeah. All right. Well, she, yeah, she was. Was yeah. yeah. So. From the family standpoint, um, for those that don't know your dad or where he came from, because up in Omaha and Sunset Speedway and late models and all that type of stuff, but walk me through your dad's history in racing and then how you got involved, you know, literally from day one and, you know, times behind the wheel, no times behind the wheel, your brother and his racing, et cetera. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I don't remember ever not being at the dirt track on a weekend, I guess, when I was a kid. I mean, I had to go with, my dad was always racing, especially at Sunset Speedway. Uh, he got into, um, like, the ha- it used to be called Have a Tampa Late Models yep. at one point and was touring around, and we used to have to take off school early and stuff to go with him, and yeah, <laughs> darn. <laughs> um, uh, my bro- And then he kind of, you know, started backing off of the racing deal a little bit on his own end and, you know, started getting Chevy into racing and he started out in a limited late model. Um, and then I think he moved up to an actual, you know, a late model. And then he went into a modified, um, my brother was actually really good. And then he kind of just, he decided he didn't want to race anymore. So, I mean, he might get back into it. Who knows? He just decided it was too expensive. He has family and all that. Um, uh, me, I've never really raced, um, I guess, on a big track. I've just, you know, I raced go-karts once or twice in, like, powder puffs, you know. But otherwise, I was just always there for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, uh, uh, my my parents were actually thinking about building a racetrack out by um they were trying to get approval to build a racetrack out by fremont at one point i think i remember hearing about this yeah and then so that's kind of how this whole thing with them buying eagle raceway got started they were they were built to like a big model and everything of it you know what it was going to be and then uh they 
turned down that idea, you know, too many far ag- too much agriculture around and, you know, noise pollution, whatever. So, <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, Craig Cormack, you know, didn't, or low car counts, whatever. And he didn't want to do the racetrack thing no more and wanted to sell it. So, or get rid of it, whatever. So, uh, dad said, well, what do you want for it? Uh, he rented it for a year and decided to buy it. Yep. Yep. Thank goodness. Now yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I, and I was there from day one with Craig uh, when he bought it from the Beecham's and, and it was like, you know, that, that diamond in the rough, except there was still nothing but coal <laughs> around the diamond because the, the place was, oh, what was it at that time, 40 years old? And I think the bleachers were the same ones that Dale Halverson put in there back in 1963. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, the, that's the weird thing, you know, it was on a dirt hillside and... I'm not sure how many broken ankles there were from the channels of the water running down and all that. And, you know, Craig came in and, and did what he did to, to make it fan friendly uh, with the new concessions, the new buildings and all that type of stuff. And um, the thing that has carried that track for 60 years now, 60 years. Yep. Okay. For 60 years, since Keith Heitschu won the very first heat race ever ran at Eagle Raceway back in 1963, the thing that has carried that track is what happens inside the walls i mean anybody that likes racing i don't care if you like pavement i don't care if you like formula one what happens inside those walls man is amazing and it's just it's that that oddball design of it being as wide as it is but as short of a track and the banking and it just it just makes for fantastic shows one thing i want to ask you guys about from a from a track standpoint every year what do you have to do to the track every fall or spring to make sure that you're ready for the next summer's racing? Um, well, he's been adding, adding wood chips, um, to hopefully keep moisture in. But, um, this year we're going to try to buy some land and take off a lot of the dirt and put some new dirt on the track. Cause the track does need new dirt. It hasn't had new dirt in a while now. Do you cover the track so. in the winter? Or is this, do you just cover the track in the winter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he okay. he kind of covers it in yeah. wood chips, and then okay. in the spring, kind of cleans it up. Yep. Know, or, yep. Okay. Well, and I know when when Craig owned it, we would uh, through uh, vote TNT to excavating Dave Vote, who raced modifieds out there for years. We would bring in fifty plus, seventy five plus dump truck loads of dirt every year because yeah. you know that's the thing you don't think about it as a fan. All those cars and all those people that are helping the guys that are racing have got little little plastic scrapers, and they scrape all that mud off, and all that mud falls on the ground. It ain't on the track anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so tough, and that's that's part of, of the track that I don't think people understand. And, and, it, and it, the turn one issue has been there since 1963. It's not going anywhere. There's nights it doesn't show up, about once every three years. But... but there are so many track prep experts out there. Oh yeah. That know how to make sure that that hole would never show up again. Have you guys ever dug down? I we we did one time uh one off season and put some drain tile in cuz there's the spring and all that stuff down there. It helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean it's just, it is what it is. There's not a whole lot you can do about mother nature. Yeah, I mean I know he put more drain tile in. <laughs> but <laughs> um the biggest deal is actually when when we were having the drought actually the track was decently smooth i mean yeah there'd be a little hole but it wasn't like like it normally is like if it rains a bunch during the week then that spring starts popping up again you know yep. actually our pond 
was like dry for a while at the beginning of this year and we had to go across the street and fill up the water truck with the hydrant (laughs) really so i mean the springs were not popping up so that track was i mean it's pretty good um and all your water supply self-supplied in that case but yeah then all of a sudden we got rain for like two weeks and the pond was full again i don't think and and then the hole was back to being (laughs) yeah you don't think about that when the water truck's going around where where does the water come from is it the fire hydrant or it's spring that's that's kind of interesting what what does it take to make a great fan experience and what what does it take to make a track successful you guys have more experience than most so what does it take well i think we're pretty lucky with eagle raceway because just the layout of it because you're when you walk into the grandstands you're above the racetrack i mean you can you could go sit in the high rise and talk to the drivers right across the fence mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's it's kind of nice because they can kind of see the pits. Uh, the drivers can walk back and forth from the pits to the the grandstands. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice um, atmosphere, and and you'll walk in there and you'll just see so many people standing behind the grandstands, just partying mm-hmm. or drinking with their friends. I mean, the atmosphere of this place. We're just I think we're so lucky to have that. And I got to say that I think we have some fantastic announcers, um, and I call him my DJ, Kurt. But, I mean, he's uh, been playing some kind of newer music, and we've been trying to get younger people there. And um, I I think the announcers have a lot to do with the atmosphere, too. I mean, they're the ones that are getting the crowd revved up Mm -hmm. and all that, so... Do you let them create some of their own ideas or is it a group think on the ideas for getting the crowd excited, standing up, waving? I mean, you know, got some really cool traditions out there. Well, a lot of it is tradition, but um, yeah, they kind of come up with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. They do. You let so. them do that. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I, I would have to say that I would agree with you on the announcers mm-hmm. kind of can make the show um, since I did since it for 10 years. One. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's the thing. That's where. I'll be honest with you. Like I'm in Knoxville last night. The atmosphere is fantastic. Here's the problem. Um, there's no music hardly at all anymore. Uh, you know, Johnny Gibson doesn't like playing it other than his specific little songs that he starts cold and stops cold. He doesn't fade them down. So it sounds horrible. And it's like, that's not to me that you're missing out on making a fan go, man, I had a blast. And, and it was something where I know, um, when uh, when Craig Cormack bought the track, he bought it in, in partnership with Dean Orth. Uh, and Dean was a guy that said, uh, that's how I got involved, is they said, we need somebody that can play music because we want to turn Eagle Raceway into the icebox. Mm-hmm. And um, through some just brainstorming sessions, uh, at, initially they wanted to play like 15 to 30 second clips of songs. And I was like, yeah, no, you're going to have people throwing things at you. And they go, well, that's what the stars do. And I'm like, yeah, the stars have 15 to 30 second stoppages. Mm-hmm. When, it, when a checkered flag flies and the other race has got to come out, it's going to be three, four minutes. You, I mean, you got to be able to do that. And, you know, eventually we did. And um, it got to that point where we had requests. We had people dancing in the, in the stands and it turned into a, a party. And, and that was one of those things where you're just like, this makes sense. Because it, it literally, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, a racing venue, but it's a outdoor racing themed bar that allows kids. Yeah, you pay a cover. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. you pay a cover to get in and see the band. The band just happens to be five classes of cars putting on a show. I think that's exactly what it is. And the parking is really easy and getting in and out is very easy. You know, all these things matter when you're trying to have an experience or take your family somewhere. Everything's easy. Plus, a lot of people have their RVs there. You know, they're sort of tailgating before the race and uh, everybody's very friendly. 
it's it's really a nice environment. So, I just, uh, what's on your list for next year? Do you have new ideas you want to share with us, or you need some brainstorming from our listeners? Not really, right now. <laughs> if anybody has any suggestions, I mean, we always everybody always says Eagle Raceway has their clown and pony show. You know, we we always have to throw in something extra mm-hmm. for the fans. Uh, not we're not just racing. You know, we. Uh, next week we got a school bus demolition derby, there you, go. you know, um, after the races, of course, I mean, you can't do that during, but, uh, and then <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be interesting <laughs> if you did. Yeah. We'd have to have everybody come out and make sure the track was clean afterwards. Um, and then, you know, the following week we're going to do the mechanics races and we have like banner contests and, you know, all kinds of stuff. We try to make sure that we have something extra every night. It's not just racing. Right. So. Yep. Well, and, and I mean, that's something where I guess from a, a racing purist, diehard race fan guy, why do they do that? It's stupid. Well, because they're not trying to cater to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are by the show they put on, uh, you know, from the green to the checker. But there's a lot of people out there that enjoy that. But they're like, uh, what else you got for me? You know, mm-hmm. I paid this amount of money. So that's the one thing that I always have appreciated about what Roger and you have done with the track is it's anything to make it more entertaining more worth i was going to say entertaining because i thought that was too easy though i was going to say more worth the dollars that you spend to get in true yep and and it and it, and it comes across and it's the, the other thing that i know that i love that you guys continue to do is con, continue to carry on with the the kids events um because it means a ton to i mean bottom line is i run into people now that race that evidently there's I'm not going to say who it is, but there was one night I, I got into magic one summer. So during intermissions, I would do magic tricks. And there was one kid that got fascinated by it. And after the races, he came up and he asked me how I did a couple of things. And I showed him and all that type of stuff. And he was enamored by Eagle Raceway and this weird guy <laughs> that was running around the, the crowd and doing magic tricks. And he continued to go back and he races now. And he said, the only reason I race is because I, I got so involved in what you were doing and how you were doing it. But that's the whole thing, man. You don't have racers 20 years from now if you don't have kids coming out and enjoying it and seeing what it's all about. Mm-hmm. All have- that and we got that go-kart track, that's too, awesome. on Fridays. Exactly. And uh, the car counts for the go-kart track have doubled in less than a year. So wow. that's, um, to me, that is our future right there. And that means that the future of our sport looks good. Why has it doubled? Why has it doubled? Um, Well, I mean, we got, I got four kids that race. Uh, I mean, (laughs) the, the drivers are all getting their kids into it, but it's not just the driver's kids. I mean, there's like, I have staff members that are getting their kids into racing. Like they've never raced before or anything. They just want to get their kids involved in it. Um, How old do you have to be um, to race? Five. Five. Five and up. Okay. Yep. Literally anybody can race at Eagle now. Five year olds, yeah. and, and they, you can get a go kart around here easy from some of the local. Oh yeah, my um, dad sells them. Stores. I was going to yep. say, I, th- oh, I think your dad, dad sells them. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and I might have to have a talk because I'm. Yeah. Anyway, where does dad sell them, and where can we get them? Uh, Five year olds. Actually, his shop's at the racetrack now. Is it? Okay. <laughs> He's there every day. So. Okay. So. Yeah. For those people who have five-year-olds, go grab a go-kart. Exactly. Can't be expensive and, and stick your kid out there on a Friday night. Sounds like fun. It's the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Mike Melby, Austin Norman driving the car, Rebecca Pearson to my right. Nate and Racing Thompson are here. And I want to get Nate on the microphone because I understand Nate uh, not only races a couple of classes at Eagle, but he knows a little bit about demolition derby. And so we may have to talk a little demo derby when we come back. Uh, more finish line after this on The Ticket. 
Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to the finish line. I'm Mike Melby, Austin Norman behind the board, Rebecca Pearson to my right, and we've got Nate and Racine Thompson in-house as special guest co-host this week. Finish line sponsored by Eagle Raceway. Six decades around the bullring. Amazing. Uh, 15 minutes from Lincoln. Go east on O Street. And I can tell you from yeah, the thing was before I spent 10 years working there, uh, I spent the, the prior 15 years going there every weekend, and I go out there as often as I can these days because it's an amazing track. It's America's home track. It's where you need to go uh, for Saturday night fun. And there's other places you can go. You guys haven't done a full-blown demo derby. You're going to have a school bus demolition derby. But you guys have not done a full-blown actual sanctioned-type demolition derby in the infield or anything yet, have you? Uh, no, we haven't had a sanctioned one at least not in a long time that I remember. We did okay. have a demo derby uh, that actually Nate put on for us last year. Um, it's just a compact demo. That's why we kept putting something out there, you know, because we got rid of compacts yeah. however many years ago. We kept putting out the advertisements as compacts are back, you know, <laughs> well, to crash each other. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we did do one last year after the races. Okay, so, Nate, i got to ask you, you, you've driven – Obviously, you promoted one of the one of the shows as well, but you've driven a d- demo derby car. Is it more expensive, less expensive to get into demo than it is to circle track? Uh, it, it's way less expensive, and it's not as stressful either. You know, you're only you're you're there to crash, so it's a uh, <laughs> good point. You're, you're not you're not stressed out, and you're not trying to set cars up. Um, it's it's more like a an engineer deal. I mean, whoever can make their stuff the strongest and follow the guidelines and the rules and everything and so where do you focus do you focus on corners do you focus on front end do you try to protect the suspension uh me i don't uh they, they pay a mad dog reward for the like a most aggressive driver the hardest hits the ones you get the grandstand standing up yeah so uh, i like those guys that pays 500 dollars at a- any county fair nowadays and uh so we at least go for that um I'm, i might pick and choose some hits but if I see somebody against the concrete wall, that's normally a good one. I mean, so so I, I, I'll let that one go for sure. I, I got We just ran at Sarpy County last weekend, and I got two or three of those ones, and I had a used car, so it, that did it in pretty good. I mean, it, it had the front harmonic balancer and the crankshaft all smashed back, and I got them pretty good with the front end. And uh, But that that's why everybody uh, – knows me at the deals the the hard hitting deal so nice it's something good to be known for if you're a demo derby car driver yeah, so yeah well uh i've always said nobody remembers the winner they remember that hard hit exactly so <laughs> so now you you also do circle track and try to not wreck uh out at eagle on a weekly basis you're one of a couple of guys out there that does double duty talk a little bit about what it's like driving two different style of cars uh, i run the imc stock car and the modified the stock car it's more of a lazier car but less side bite and stuff and but that's a up and coming deal everybody's kind of getting one now every um so that that's kind of a fun class coming up and uh the modified i've been running the modified for the last seven years and uh we do decent in it we're top 10 car every night normally and it's a little more stressful having two cars there 
is it almost more fun at times though because you don't have time to kill you're yeah. always going 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 it's i yeah. being somebody who's been on a on a crew several times and if you're out there racing and there's five classes <sighs> You know, but if you've got two cars, man, there's not a lot of, of, of deep size. You're yeah. you're hustling. There's a lot less thinking. I mean, uh, it helps a little bit because you're not overthinking it. But then, like, the stock car feature, you, you know, it's starting to slicken up in the middle. It's rougher up top, but there's good moisture on the bottom, so it gives me more of a game plan for the modified. But we only have one A feature in between, so literally why I'm drinking a couple Gatorades and getting in they got the car up on jack stands, changing a couple shocks or whatever we need to do. And uh, normally, when I'm ready to back out, they're still under the car, and I'm buckled in <laughs> waiting. So, yeah, it, it works so, out. So, one thing that I I, I brought up uh, on the past on this show that I want to kind of get into doing, I always wanted to when I worked out there because I I ran the cleanup crew for the whole time I was out there, and I'm back, you know, seven eight o'clock. Saturday morning after the Friday show, Sunday morning after the Saturday show. And I had a core group of 11 that were fantastic. I know one of them uh, is still out there, Janet Smith. Uh, and, and her and her daughter, Jamie, have been coming out there and helping and working for I can't even tell you how many years. But I always wanted Kurt McKeever from the Journal Star to jump in and do like a story. And it just never got past his editor, I think. And um, it's one where I kind of want to shine a little bit of light on some of the people. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Give a shout out to the guys that are underneath the car while you're trying to back over them. <laughs> well, uh, mainly my uh, one of my, my middle boy, he helps me a lot. I mean, he's very dedicated. Uh, heck, he's, he's only 14. He's got an IMCA stock car that another guy's seen how hard he works. And he, he gave him a car, said, here, go race. Yeah, he knocked the rear end out of that two weeks ago. We haven't got it back together, but... Um, Cameron is my middle boy. And then, uh, Dylan Thurman, he helps me out every single week. I mean, he'll be at my house till midnight if I need him all week long. And he's got to get up in the morning and go to work. So, um, he, he's, he's my main guy. I mean, he's dedicated. So if, if, if we need to change a motor at Saturday at noon, whatever, we're doing it, you know, um, I think along those same lines, racing is busy running around behind the scenes, right? And you're always busy uh, trying to make the track great for the drivers, great for the fans. What, what do you, who would you want to give a shout out to? And what do you love most about your job? Um, well, for the, the cleanup crew, uh, Mo Melissa Haynes, she is one hell of a lady. She, um, I mean, she comes out all week during the week and, like, checks on the place. I, I mean, she <laughs> just loves the place. And um, she's in charge of, like, picking up all the, you know, the trash pickup crew. And she cleans the bathrooms. Um, I mean, she does it all. Um, and uh, what I love the most about, I don't know, it's a love-hate thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, well. I just, I guess the, the payoff is good. Okay. Like, I like if we have a really good night, it makes me feel really good because I feel like, you know, we all did this as mm -hmm. a team and we made it a really good night for What's everybody. What's a good night though? How do you define that? Mm -hmm. What what makes a good night for you? Well, when I don't have to kick people out. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, those type of things. Right? You know, that makes me stressed out cuz I don't like doing that, but I sometimes you have to. Um the racing know, is if, good. The uh, are if happy. it's uh high limit series and we run out of beer. <laughs> Ah, yeah, okay. you that's know, a good night. The, well, I mean, it was a good night, but I mean, I guess we didn't run out of all beer. It okay. was just like bush light. The popular and, beer, you know, yes, yeah. right. So. so 
but you must love something because you're doing it every day, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah. And your dad taught something in you and said, hey, I think you need to be kind of in management and getting this thing going on for the next generation, right? Yeah. Well, I don't I don't ever stop working on it. Yeah. I'm committed to it. So, well, everybody appreciates that, I'm sure. Well, thank you for that. One I've talked about it on the show is we uh, I challenge Greg type of a thing from a TV station came out, drove James Waltke's modified blew the rear end out of it. So Cormac had to help him uh, put a new rear end in it. Same night, we had a massive fireworks show. We started uh, Halverson Sun's deck on fire uh, when one <laughs> of the fireworks went sideways and we had one of the best races we'd had. And at the end of the night, it was like, that was an amazing night. I mean, not often can you say it was a great night when you started somebody's house on fire, but it got put out <laughs> quickly. But those are the nights I think that you're talking about where it's just a couple of adversity things go wrong, but the night turns out, you're like, wow, Fans that was amazing. Happy, yeah. Well, we got through it. Yeah. Exactly. Or, you know, whatever it may or be. Or that was awesome. Mm -hmm. you, I always I always remember the stuff. So. All righty. Uh, get your happy on. James Thompson from North Star High School is going to be in with Ricky Simmons next on 93.7 The Ticket.